Hello, world, and welcome back to a Solid 7 Podcast, a better than average podcast, if I do say so myself. And I do. I'm your host, Kale, and each week I invite a guest here on the show to talk about whatever is going on in the world that interests us. And this week is no different as we welcome back podcast regular, illusionist, world-class idiot. That's not nice. I take that back. Illusionist, Jason Alvarado, my good buddy. Hello. Hey, buddy. Hello. How's I'm, it going? This, you forgot zip code renown. <laughs> you forgot zip code renown illusionist. So uh, there's at so. least one person in the radius through which we sit that knows me. Sometimes um, I forget that most of the world doesn't operate in our love language. That's right. Which is savage, demeaning, yeah. sarcasm, yeah. Uh, hatred, all in love. And so. We say things that sound horrible to the outside yeah. world. That's the equivalent of me being yeah. like, I love you, man. Yeah. I, I tell you all the time, yeah. I hate you with an everlasting love. Yeah. And, and I, I genuinely, res- but here's the thing though, <laughs> not anybody else can joke with us that way. Like this is, this is something that we have agreed on through years of just evil, savage horribleness. Yeah. But I wouldn't want anybody else to talk to you that like that. Yeah. So. Actually, if, if Jason were to like, just come up and be polite to me, I would be what is wrong with Deeply you? concerned. Yeah, I would know like, something has You're like, oh, I'm sorry. Gone amiss you're about to tell me some horrible news. <laughs> so well, we're going we're gonna to try and record a podcast today. We're going to see how it goes. But you could abandon me at just any moment. Mm. Because your, your wife is very, very- Oh, you're talking about me. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Very with child. I thought you were talking about your listeners. I was like, that's a rude thing to say. Uh, well, I mean, they could leave at any moment as like, well. Yes, that's true. I hope that they don't. But no, yes. I wouldn't blame them. That's being correct. That, I mean- you're you. She, she you. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, but yeah, my wife is like nine months pregnant. So yeah. at any moment, if you hear my chubby behind running out of the room, it's because I just got a text saying that we're having a person. Yep, she is like any second. So she went to the doctor the other day. Is like, yep, soon, very soon. Get ready. So crazy. My third. This is my third. Yeah, you've got your oldest is five, mm-hmm. is that right? Yep. And then your youngest is two. Well, for now, your youngest is two. That's correct. Yeah, and not just because they all age, but because you're he's we about to not be your your youngest. But I know, man. You guys Crazy. thought you'd go for a girl, a girl and yep. you couldn't even get that right. Couldn't even get that right. Here comes another boy. God help us another all. Another boy, brah. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, thanks in in large part to Jason's wife. You do you guys do make cute kids? My though. God, if they look like so, me, yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. But, yep. I mean, you got to hope for this one that you didn't use up all the cuteness on the no, first two. No, man. No. I, they are cute. A, a, uh, I don't know if men have best friends, but uh, possibly my, my best friend and I, we, we had a mutual agreement for a long time because <laughs> my, uh, my greatest fear <clears throat> pre-children was what I have always described as ugly kid oblivion. <laughs> and I say, uh, I say we crack our Jocko ghost before we get into this. I agree because the the podcast is, of course, as always, fueled by Jocko Go. Amen. And I am a gracious host, and I have provided you, you have with furnished the this. the mango Jocko Go Amen. that you so richly deserve. So Amen. cheers, sir. Cheers. I went Tropic Thunder. This new improved Tropic Thunder is <clears throat> on point. Wow! Wow! Sounds like a cancelable uh, Rodney. Or Rod- what's his name? Robert Downey Jr. movie could be I don't know, but I uh, Ooh, I know I'm, I'm sure you heard it because you keep up with the podcast. I did a, a, a longer than normal segment on 
Jocko Go and Jocko Fuel mm-hmm. last week yeah. uh, with Becca, our, our podcast favorite, where uh, she and uh, her beau were actually calling in from the road and stopped in a Wawa while we were recording to get nice. their Jocko Goes, which was just solid entertainment. It's just good broadcasting. It's just good radio. Yeah. I get this isn't radio. But uh, so I won't do that this week. But I will say, listeners, if you if you haven't ever, and this would surprise me, if you haven't ever checked out Jocko's podcast, uh, uh. either this most re- recent episode or the one just before that, mm. seven forty nine with Pete from Origin, who founded Origin, um, and so of course it's you know him him and Jocko and some other business partners in on all the stuff they're doing. Origin USA, Jocko Fuel, um, now the Origin Hotline that has launched, and they're they're just recapping the last year. And the moves they've made, crazy, and why they're doing it, and like get deep in the weeds on their passion for. Mm-hmm. It's not hyperbole when they say they are bringing manufacturing back to America. It's, dude, I, I'm telling you, like you think about like some of the more maybe patriotic movies you watch or just different stories, stuff like that, that really make you well up. You're like, ah, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you want to get after it and like befriend a bald eagle or something like that podcast. You're like, man. America is awesome. Yes, and it so is. So go go listen to that, and uh, then go buy some some Origin and Jocko Fuel mm. products That's when really you're done. Cool. When you're done with this, when you don't yeah. stop this, when yeah. you're done with this, yeah. go and listen to that. Yeah. But allow me to explain Ugly Kid Oblivion. Yeah. Here's the thing. If your child, particularly your newborn child, mm-hmm. is, I'm not even gonna soften it. If they're ugly, now some people listening will be like, "Oh, no, newborn is ugly." I think yes, almost all of them are. Yeah, that's intellectually dishonest. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Now you can get. I'm. I'm going even beyond like the misshapen head from natural childbirth. Yeah, you still like, got yours. Listen, listen. It's a roll of the dice. It's not in our control. I'm not judging anybody for it. No. But some some of us <laughs> just just not particularly attractive. That's true. Unless uh, you're a Kardashian, there could it could be an ugly duckling situation. True. You're not. True. You don't have to resign yourself to that fate. But if your child is not particularly cute. Mm-hmm. You can't tell. You cannot tell. It's biology. It it's blind, science. Blind love. It's the cutest kid you've ever seen. That's true. In your life. Mm-hmm. And here's what happens. No one's going to tell you. Yeah. Your kid's not cute. That's true. So next thing you know, you're just running around. Yep. Whipping out pictures, putting them in people's Did faces. You see the baby? Before they've had coffee. Yeah. And they've got to give you a decent human response that makes them not seem like a monster. Mm-hmm. It's ugly kid oblivion. That's true. So there I, might be also uh, my kids a genius oblivion. Yes, because we have got co friends who absolutely promise that their kid is a genius. Yeah, I might be one of them. I might be one. Of, I think. Okay, let me say this. You busted this out on me recently. I might call you out here now. This might be right, but your your oldest. Adorable, wonderful kid. Absolutely. Super into dinosaurs. Absolutely. And you you come out with me with like, we were reading this article. There's mm-hmm. like kid little kids who are super into dinosaurs. Yeah. They they tend to end up being that was more, a true in, more thing intelligent that I read. than other you read that in a place. I read that on in the, the internet. Place. So it's probably so it's probably true. I can't remember what And I'm I read like, it, yeah, actually. all that means is there's a strong possibility your kid turns out to be Ross from friends. That's true. However, Okay, now listen, I get that there's a general understanding of, of dinosaur, but my son, he corrects me if I get it incorrect. I say, that looks like a, a brontosaurus. He goes, that is a brachiosaurus. And I go, what's that one? He goes, that's a spinosaurus aegypticus. 
What five-year-old ha- knows how to say that? Now, now listen, I gotta... I, I'm gonna say that's pretty smart. I need to ask a clarifying question here, though. Okay. Is this indicative of him possessing superior intelligence or, or, and I'm just asking the question. Sure. Is it indicative of you possibly possessing inferior intelligence? I think both can be true. (laughs) They're not mutually exclusive. I think both can be true. And it also has a lot to do with my wife's intelligence. Okay. Like their side of the family is absolute genius. Federal judges. I mean, paralegals just... Well, and I think, uh, yeah. but Captain kids in the tend Army. to, not, not, not all kids. And I, you know, like my, my son's that way with like rockets and trains, like he'll correct adults on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But he'll also still like lick a piece of candy up off the floor. And that's yeah. where parents fail to keep things yeah. real. So everybody has those friends. Yeah. They'll talk about how little, I mean, little Johnny's, he's doing this so early or little Susie, she's really advanced. Yeah, he blinks But really you fast. leave out the area where they're also still like. Oh, hundred percent. Like. A tiny kid. Okay, but let, let me let me throw this your way. All right, get ready for this. Okay, so I think I think my five year old he he's pretty smart for a five year old. I'll say that he's pretty good for a five year old. Uh, I do think I wouldn't say genius, but intelligent. Um, I mean, he could read pretty well, which is also a cool thing. Like I couldn't read before before I was in kindergarten. Like what? So I'm impressed with that. But that might not be cool anymore. I still can't read, and I'm 58. But Here's something. I think my kid's a genius, but I think my two-year-old is a comedic genius. And let me tell you why, okay? Let's hear it. So my sister-in-law will ask my two-year-old to go around the table and name everybody around the table. Who's that? Who's this? Who's this? And he'll go around, and every time she asks him, who am I? He says, Titi, which is aunt in Spanish. Right. He goes, Titi. And then she goes, and who are you? Um, I'm sorry, I just jacked that whole thing up. He goes around the table and my sister-in-law, his aunt, will say, and who am I? And he'll say, you're Jericho. And then she'll say, and who are you? I'm Titi, okay? Kind of funny, but then that, that's not my only argument. The other day I asked him, I go, Jericho, how old are you? And he literally goes like this, I'm not exaggerating. He goes, 40, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I'm like, how do you know the number 40? I was like, I don't know. There's some comedic genius there. I'm not saying that genius is genius all the time. I mean, they say, I don't know if it's true, Einstein didn't know how to tie his shoes. But, you know, like, I don't know how to have conversations for a living. But there's certain parts that make me think. Now, come on. You have to admit, that is above average comedic timing. Yeah, it's, it's funny once you have kids, their ability at times... And then you have to gauge how intentional it is. Yeah. That they like there's times my kids have just put us, my wife and I both, just in tears, like hard to breathe. Yes. Laughter. There's one time my wife's putting uh the equivalent of like Vic's rub on mm-hmm. my son's chest. And I have no idea where this came from. We haven't heard this on a show. We haven't I mean, it's just not like in our our sphere, right? He just goes, Oh, cool, like in a pool, pool, pool. <laughs> <laughs> that just, is awesome. Just, like, where does where do these things that is come awesome. from? It's a mystery. Wow, get some bongos yeah, going, like good, a spoken word. They're good fun, except for when they're not. You uh, you ready to do this, uh, this newborn stage all over again, bro? Like, I'm. I I thought we were done with diapers, and all of a sudden, 
we got another one coming. So the good news is the church we go to, they spoiled us. They bought us tons of diapers. Um, the cool thing is that I've heard that the third one, it's easier because like I noticed something different with my two-year-old. Like he just is following Zion's uh, whatever lead. And so he's he's talking more at an earlier stage. He's like wanting certain things diff- the same as his brother. So they, I've heard, and again, I don't know how true this is because I'm, I'm a new parent, obviously, um, that the third one really falls in line and follows the lead of his other siblings. And so the people are like, you know what you should try for? The fourth. And I was like, you know what you should try for? Never talking to me again. So like, I just, yeah, I'm like, no, we're done. I'm done with it, the... It's funny the cycles of life because as a, as a young person, you tend to start having people in your family who are like, oh, when... When are you going to get married? When are you going to settle down? When are you going to tie know. the knot? The second you do, you're like, oh, now the questions will end. Yeah. No, they pivot. Yeah. So it's when are you going to have when are you going to have kids? Yeah. yeah. And it's these days, it's that one's actually kind of problematic. I'm. This is not me trying to be all you know wokey, liberal, lefty, trigger, safe space, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like actual challenges, issues with pregnancy these days are so prevalent. Yes. Miscarriages are so Absolutely. prevalent these days. And you just don't know where anybody's yeah. at in that. And it's not that anybody means anything by it. And mm-hmm. it, you shouldn't really like clap back as AOC would, AOC would say, just cause somebody's innocently being like, yeah. they're just, they're showing genuine interest in your life. They don't sure. mean anything it's, by it's it. It's kind of even just like, just common. But you, you just don't know what's on the other side You're of right. that question. Right. But right. it, but it start, you know, it's, Oh, when are you gonna have kids? When are you gonna have kids? Yes. Okay. I'll crank one out for you. Will you leave me alone? Yeah. If we, if we make one, will you leave me alone? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> You're going to have any more. Exactly. You're going to have any more. It never ends. And they do that. They, well, they go going before that. They go. So, so when you get married, when you get married, are you getting engaged? Are you going to get engaged? Yeah. How long have you been dating her? Well, you've known her, you've been dating her for three weeks. Oh my gosh, you probably should get married. Yeah. And then you get engaged, and then they're like, "When's the wedding? When's yeah. the date? Am I invited?" Like the amount of lack of emotional intelligence, of social cues, it has gone absolutely gone forever. Yeah, it's like just forever. it's just circles of life. But a part of the problem is, and this is why. Once upon a time, I was quite the social butterfly. I think you'll you, attest you to that. You still are. There's I thought you were a caterpillar. We, when we lived together. Just and go uh, live in your cocoon, But bro. it's it's more like I've always liked being around my people, but I've always been a little choosy about who makes it to, to my 100%. people, right? To where 100%. now I'm, I'm like, uh, how can I avoid the people? But it's because <laughs> it's not that I dislike people, and I do, but not like generically. There's a lot that I don't like. Yeah. Um, but it's I I dislike things like small talk. Yeah. But I'm a dichotomy, as so many things are, because small talk is cheap and it's those shallow questions. Yeah. What do you do? Where are you from? Are you married? Yeah. Are you getting married? Are you mm-hmm. having kids? You had kids? You having more kids? Yeah. Uh, oh, you already had all your kids. What are your kids doing? Where are they going to school? Where yeah. are they going to go to college? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all that stuff because we don't know what else to do. But it also is inappropriate and awkward and weird. Yes. If you ask deeper questions from right. the jump. So it's like, I hate the inanity of the yep. small talk, mm-hmm. but also if like, I've seen suggestions for small talk, uh, for like alternate small talk of like, what are you passionate about? 
Which is weird. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Hey, okay, creep. Yeah. What keeps what? you up at night? Yeah. <laughs> you. You keep yeah, me you up keep at night. You keep me up at night. So, Please. I'm sorry. Don't figure out where I'm I live. I'm sorry, society. There's really no no win there. Okay. So to that, um, I try to think intentionally because, you know, I mean, we, we both interact with people. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm a pastor at a church. And so I interact with people all the time. So I got a question. Okay. You're going to hate this. You genuinely like and enjoy people. Well, I... I'm not saying to a fault. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I need my alone time. I think, I, you know what? I just came across, you probably have known this forever because you're intelligent, but uh, um, a, what is it called? Introvert. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that that, I completely was wrong on what that meant. I thought an introvert was somebody who was a recluse, somebody who didn't like to be with people. And I recently learned a couple years ago that that, that actually means is how you recharge yourself. I've seen that spin on it these days. I don't think and that so, was always the meaning behind yeah, it. Yeah, so I was like, oh, that's interesting because I've noticed like there are there are days obviously when I'm with the church or in an outreach or at some kind of thing and I'm like on, like, okay, let me just love people, be genuinely interested in people, try to be a good person. And then, but there are my Mondays, my day off or even Fridays at, 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 a, at the office, I'm just like, yo, let me just not have to talk and not be on with people. So- yeah, that's interesting. So here's here's my thing, and I think you're gonna hate it. Okay, I'm just gonna I state hate it that right now. I hate it already. Here, okay, yeah, you're definitely gonna hate this, but I think I found a better question than the small talk stuff. Okay, and you'd probably find a way to make this better or more less weak or pansy. Here it is. What can I celebrate with you? Oh, that's the worst. Okay, no, but <clears throat> here's why it's not. Because have you ever had a person like genuinely say, "Hey"? What's what's something that I can celebrate with you? I feel like psychologically, it's in my opinion, like it is a deeper question than how are you? Because everyone has the great how are you, and then that, the conversation's over. But if you say, hey, what's something that you, that really like you you are really proud of lately? That goes into a different direction. And one one thing I've noticed is that every time I've like, and obviously I don't do that to everybody. Like I don't do that to a cashier person or whatever. But like, if it's somebody I'm genuinely trying to have a conversation with, and I want to go deeper than this, than the superficial, I'll ask that question. And every time I've done it, their reaction is always like, "Whoa, that is a really, that's a really good question." And they'll ponder on it, and then they'll share something about their life that I find a deeper connection with that person on. So they'll, they'll say, "You know, yeah, you know, actually, I I just finished my bachelor's degree, and." We're going out to celebrate this weekend. And so and you're paying off my student loans. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're welcome, America. <laughs> oh, man. But can, can we just can we just talk about the absolute um, divorce of just personal responsibility? Like like at what point is it your problem? You know, like what point do you set your house on fire? And then we got to go, hey, pal, you, you probably need to get a couple buckets and start joining the brocade brocade to, to extinguish this flame. Like, at what point do we say it is something? Because, I mean, I don't know. It's that when, I, when that happened, I'm just like, okay, but yeah, why aren't we paying for people's mortgages? Why aren't we paying for everybody's food? Why aren't we paying for everybody's car? Why aren't we paying for all these things? Like, you made a financial obligation, so you can't do it, or it's too much, or whatever. I don't understand. Yeah, I yeah. sidetracked you, which is my fault. As, and you're right. And we can't go oh, off on those things. But I did want to say, because there is <sighs> a small talk hack that I do like, mm-hmm. it just only works in certain circumstances because if the person you're conversing with is too generic, I don't mean that as insulting as it sounds, 
but that's just the way it is. Right. Might just be in that moment, this won't work. But it's what I've coined. Maybe somebody else has said this before, but I'm not taking this from here, but I call it the Sherlock method, which is to look for some identifier of an interest. Interesting. They're wearing a shirt of a sports team or a band or a, like in Central Florida or even amongst like uh, Solid 7 listeners in particular, you might see like a NASA shirt, right? Or something mm-hmm. like that. Or just watching for, oh, they've got an Android, not an iPhone. You can ask, oh, why so, are you poor? Like, what Yeah, why I, do you live in a so, cave with hieroglyphics? Obviously. But just looking for those little things that give you something specific. Because the one thing everybody likes to talk about the most is themselves. Absolutely. Without it's the, yep. Yeah, it's not judgment. It's not, it just is what it is. So <clears> you get them going on that point of interest and you're starting someplace a little more deep than just the, the, where do you work? What do you do? Yeah. Where are you from? There was an interesting guy I heard on some podcast and he wrote a book about like how to talk to strangers. And like 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 everyone genuinely goes, I'd rather swallow bleach than talk to strangers. And he said he was the same way. And he said that he went on this like journey of social experiments where he does talk to people and um And like, so now like you would literally want to do anything other than this. He literally puts on like conferences full of strangers and the goal is to talk to strangers. And he says like, it has changed his life. And so he goes on, he writes this whole book about it. And he, he mentions the same thing that we kind of are like, we are all just eye rolling the dumb, wasteful filler conversations or questions we want like genuine, like, oh, that is an interesting thing. Thank you for sharing that with me about your life or your family or what you're interested in. I, I like the Sherlock Holmes method. Well, and, I, you know, I stumbled across a Jordan Peterson quote not long ago, and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, and I probably won't do it justice, but he was talking about, like, in his clinical practice, right? He, all these people sitting across from him. He's like, <clears throat> I never had a client who wasn't interesting. Like, if you're sitting across from somebody having a conversation with them, and they're not interesting to you, that's on you. You're probably not paying attention. No matter who you're sitting across, this is this unique, one-of-a-kind individual. They're the only person in the history of the world that's had that exact set of life experiences, has that exact perspective. And that if you can't find something interesting in it, that that's on you. Yeah. I think that's a little too broad. There... <coughs> I'll get past this at some point, um, <clears throat> but I think it's more, I think it's more true than not. I think some people again. I just go back to that word generic. Used to have some kids I knew that referred to them as proxy people, or now you'll hear uh, like some of the the right wing or MAGA crowd refer to like NPCs, non player characters, like from a video Interesting. game, where there's no real thought going on there. So, <laughs> so there, but but the reality is, there's just so there savage. are some people just kind of zombieing their way through this life. Where there's not a lot of depth there, but there's more like, I think that's the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost really kind of the premise behind the podcast. One, I think everybody likes to sit around and hang, hang out and talk with their people. Right. But it's like, you can't have your people at work with you. You can't necessarily have your people in the car with you all the time. So my, my hope is that people, listeners, feel like they're sitting at lunch or around a campfire hanging out with with their mm-hmm. people. So yeah. there's part of that in the in the format. But there's also and maybe this is a little bit of that office, oh there's beauty in ordinary things, which was kind of the tag at the whole end of the series that tied it together. Uh, which was a statement from Greg Daniels, but it was delivered as a line from Pam in the finale. Um <clears throat> but it's also 
yeah, I'm excited to have had some big guests regularly. I'm excited to mm-hmm. have big guests coming in the future. But I also like I look at the the bigger conversational type or interview type mm-hmm. podcasts that are out there. Right. And yeah, those those big names are are interesting. There's a draw because their names known. Mm-hmm. But in reality, they're still they're just a person. Yeah. They've just done some cool or some known or some seen things. Mm-hmm. And that's why I I like bringing in like this regular cycle of guests like you who are, you know, not necessarily no, not necessarily big names. I'm like, no, if you'll dig in, if you'll get past the fact that you haven't heard of this person, Mm -hmm. I promise you there's interesting thought here. There's interesting conversation to be had with this person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I I enjoy that take of his. And it's a little bit convicting for somebody like me where I'm like, like, I don't want to talk to the other parents at the birthday party. I don't, you know, whatever went. That is the worst setting. That is the worst setting to have to mingle. Not at a birthday party, at a park. Yeah. Where a dad will come up, so how old's your kid? I'm like, too young to talk about. I don't know. It's just like, I, it's just, again, it's that waste conversation. It's like, can we just talk about something genuine? But then again, you're like, how much? And I mean, to this guy's credit who wrote that book, he he talks, he answers, he addresses all those objections. It was fascinating. I can't, you probably remember what Founding Father said something like that. Like, every person I meet has something interesting to teach me or something, something, profound to teach me yeah, i can't it might have been franklin like jefferson or franklin but. yeah so and i was like that's that's pretty cool and not only that but it is it is arrogant of us to assume that I, again i say this with with a little bit of like soft uh, maybe harsher than i want it to sound but it is arrogant of us to maybe assume that every person we see has nothing know something that we don't know yeah you know yeah. like if we if we can get to the conversation and go like like if i can peel back this layer so like as as a as a person of faith as as a minister like i genuinely how i try to impact my world is the people i see every day yeah. so like i have servers at restaurants around here that i go to you know once a week that i i know their name i know their family i know what's going on in their world and the best part is the best part is is they don't even know i'm a pastor yet like I want to, I want to build these bridges, and so that if they ever did have a question about my worldview, I would have enough bridge of a relationship that they would even say, "Okay, you're not some," because everybody puts these people in these prisons of two ideas. Oh, you're that kind of person. They label us, but once you start breaking down those walls and like, "Oh, you're actually just kind of a normal person like me," what do do you care about? What are you passionate about? So, anyways, I digress. What I think we might want to start trying, like to keep things current as an icebreaker with people, as small talk, is just when we meet somebody, just lead with, so are you a are you a threat to democracy or That's true. Or not? That's true. So are you a fascist? This, of yep. course, uh, taken from our president's speech uh, delivered okay. in front of... Mm. Um, Philadelphia, in, in, right? In Philadelphia, in front of Independence Hall. Have you ever visited Independence Mm-mm. Hall? So Independence Hall is is where um, they uh, contemplated, where they debated, where they met. The Constitutional Convention occurred. Wow. Where the Constitution was signed. Um, and I might have, now I, I'm going to get mocked here. I'm going to look it up because it's it's late in the day. We're recording on a Friday. Um and because uh, I want to say the declaration was as well. I think they, they both were. At that spot. Um, either way, th- this is. It's a significantly historic place. I intentionally mean, intentionally 
chosen for this speech. Was I mean, it State of the Union? What was it? I can't remember what it was. No, I mean, this is just not a campaign speech, but oh, a campaign, right. essentially of the right, for the midterms. Father um, time. And, uh, like, so this should be, I don't believe it was a campaign stop, so this should be a fairly neutral presentation. Certainly <laughs> at this location, you would expect neutrality. First of all, the visuals from this thing are not good. No. Like just it was from, ominous. Like from a from a marketing standpoint, like the visuals of they, they had the building behind him lit up in red. In red. Yeah. Uh, and it just like I've seen it posted with so many iconic pictures of like speeches from dictators. I even saw it with Dwight giving his speech oh my from the office. Like it just wasn't good optics. Yeah. But and then they had armed or not armed, uh Uniform there were Marines, soldiers, Marines there, but I don't him, really yeah. see presidents um, speak with those right next behind him or whatever. I don't really see. It that depends on the setting, and sometimes, like there was some controversy this past week. Um, uh, he was speaking somewhere, and the Marine Corps band was performing, and then he made some partisan remarks, like saying, "Hey, please vote for this person in this election." Right. And the military band, like they stay out; they're not supposed to be at events like that mm-hmm. because it's like tacit support for that political right. action. So there are usually things that are more innocuous than that. So there was already that issue. But the issue stems from uh, President Biden uh, saying, you know, I, I don't have the exact quotes here available. That's not really the kind of show that, that we we do. Uh, you can look this up and find it for yourself. I'm not presenting anything that's not true. But basically said President Trump and his supporters are a threat to democracy. Yeah. Uh, he said, I think he may have even said something along the lines of like a type of fascist or yeah. a type of fascism um, to have a, a in, in, you know, and <clears throat> I'll be fair. Like, I'm not looking up Lexus Nexus. I'm not Googling. President Trump may have said have said some like big, broad, inflammatory stuff like that. But I'm just not. And I, I would have called that out, too, if I was doing sure. a podcast at the time to refer to half the country to refer to. Or, or, well, half the country, 74 million people, some odd, mm-hmm. that voted for President Trump yeah. and or may support what is um, derogatorily referred to as the MAGA. Well, it's funny. MAGA like, depending on who's saying it, MAGA is either derogatory or celebratory. <laughs> yeah. Depends on who's saying it. But to call, you know, what you would maybe call the MAGA platform um, a, th- a threat to democracy. Jesus, help in us. That, like... In that setting, both that location and just the iconography. Man, was it problematic. And every photo I saw, like when I saw it this morning, I, I flipped on Instagram and I saw these photos. And the only thing I could think of was dun, 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 da, da. Yeah. Like I, that's exactly I saw what some I people thought put of. it next to, uh, you know, pictures from the from the Empire and, and other things. God, it just looked, it did not look optically well. And here's well. the thing. And like, then wasn't the speech supposed to be bipartisan or neutral or like hope filled? It was more. Well, even in uh, his inaugural speech, President Biden, yes, like, unify the country, unif- like yeah. unification, and and all that crap. Go- and then both sides tend to do this. Yes, like there, there's this happy rhetoric of there's more that unites us than divides it. You'll hear that line all the time. Yeah, but now midterm elections come around. Yeah, and <clears throat> you know now uh, Trump's back in the news big time, and you know the saying is there's no such thing as bad press. It's undetermined whether or not mm-hmm. uh, President Trump's going to run again or Trump's going to run again in 2024. Yeah. Um, 
there's there's just a lot of uh, just real irresponsible. I agree. Rhetoric and flying even, around. Even about President Trump, like there was a lot of things that he said and did in his past, and things that he even did during his presidency that I was like, that isn't good. That isn't a good optic, or whatever. But the one thing about him that I could say, not I can't say with a hundred percent confidence, I never felt like he attacked. Um, American people. I felt like he would attack the media yeah. for sure. Well, and I was about to say the same thing. That's an important distinction. Yes. Because <clears throat> I've had guests on this show and I myself will say, I believe Marxist ideologies are a threat to our country yep. and to our democracy, which mm-hmm. we're not a democracy, to our republic. Right. And to Western ideals. Communist ideologies. Yeah socialist ideologies are a threat to our country, to our way of life, to Mm -hmm. our Republic. Um, But there's a difference between identifying the ideologies and the people. I'm reminded Mm -hmm. of a line from West Wing. It's like season three or four. They actually added like a conservative Republican character to West Mm -hmm. Wing. Uh, Ainsley Hayes is her name. Spitfire. Love her. Would have named my daughter Ainsley. The close friend hadn't jacked the name before we got to it. What in the world? That all said and done, I like Marley better. So I, you know, Marley's all's well cool and ends well. Um, but Ainsley's having a conversation with one of the the Democrat like White House staffers um, at one point, and they're kind of getting into it. Um, and she's basically calling them out on saying it's like it's not that they're, they're talking about um, like Second Amendment rights and gun law, and she's calling him out on talking about it's you're not saying that you don't like the guns, you don't like the people. You don't like yeah. the people, Sam. Yes. That's the exact line. You don't like the people, Sam. And yeah. and and a statement like that, it wasn't. It was about the people, and that's where it felt like mm-hmm. like it crossed a line. Yeah. Right. Where my problem, if you if you believe and you espouse Marxism, socialism, communism, my problem was with those ideals. Right. I don't like that you're espousing them. But you're a you're a person, and your mind can be changed. The problem isn't with mm-hmm. you; right. it's with the ideals, it's with the system of belief. Of course, and that's where it felt like this crossed the lines. Mm-hmm. This, and I, I believe today he's since walked it back. This happens Good. a lot uh, with President Biden, where he's tried to, to clarify. But I, it, it's man, it was so bad optics. I mean, I think there's the Krauthammer quote. He was like, "It's like we think they're wrong, but they think we're evil." And it's like when we start, we we are in a dangerous situation when we are saying no. This we're, when we're othering somebody else, which was kind of like the Democrat thing, like take care of the other, take care of the, of the I can't remember the exact uh, ideology, like the the JFK esque Democrat, like we're like no, we care about the 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 least among us, and that's what we're here for, and and but the the idea that like no, like it's not two parties trying to come up with the best solutions that for America it's no we're in our camp of two ideas we are the good guys you're the evil guy and like either side that doesn't end well ever yeah it just doesn't where you're demonizing people who disagree with you we can't have conversations we can't have common ground we can't move towards solutions because I agree with you like and I, the, the quote this all the time like we we probably agree on a lot more than we disagree on but like if you're saying it's a, it's a basket of deplorables yeah. moment it's it's one of those quotes that won't be forgotten well, we the thing is we used to you used to in this country you used to be able to say you know there's more that unites us that divides us that those those common value there were there, there were common values right underlying everything else and the rest was just disagreement 
about some semantics, right? Yeah. But but now and particularly with uh, and this isn't uh, like these young whippersnappers and every generation younger than mine um, is awful. This isn't what I'm saying. But there there is we've seen a distinct differentiation, a distinct shift in uh, the millennial generation. And it's 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 kind of interesting to see what's happening with Generation Z behind them. Yes, it is. Um, <clears throat> but it, it seems like, and you don't have to go far to find this: the the socialists, the liberals, the Marxists, the whatever terminology you want for for that ideology. We're very intentional mm-hmm. about in infiltrating. I don't mean to make it sound nefarious. I think it was nefarious, but they would think it was altruistic. But about like. Oh, the way we're going to affect change is through the education system. Right. And it does feel like in the past few decades, we've kind of hit a critical mass with that. Um, and you see things like critical theory that has bled out of our college campuses into our yeah. businesses, into <laughs> our entertainment. Um, and so, you know, there's we think, oh, well, we still kind of, you know, truth, justice in the American way. Mm-hmm. They go, no, 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 there is no truth or justice. Screw right. the American way. <clears throat> yeah. Wait, wait, what? Yeah. Like so there there's it's not it's not the semantics. We disagree on the on the fundamentals now. Yeah. And that's where it gets harder and harder to see how do we find common ground and mm-hmm. it's got to be on one hand you've got to be that Ronald Reagan happy warrior, right? Yeah. You you can't be a doormat. Right. Which I think we've done that too long. I think I think too often uh conservatives lose ground because of their devotion to um, statesmanship and civility, mm-hmm. right? Where you're in a street fight and you're trying to fight fair. Right. And so it's like you don't want to become the other guy. You don't want to necessarily fight dirty, mm-hmm. but you, you've got to fight hard and you've got to stop trying to be – Trump was too far this way for me, like sure. too far away from politeness, too far away yep. from – you know. Um, and that's where I feel like Governor DeSantis really does a better job of walking that that line mm-hmm. um, where it's like, no, you've got to push back. You've got to push back hard, but you've got to be a happy warrior. It's yeah. got to be, you I know, like you've got to be winning hearts and minds, <clears throat> right? That's the real thing. It's like, no, let me present you with truth. Let me teach you the facts that haven't been presented to you. Let yeah. me show you where you think you were presented with new ideas. Oh, let's try it this way. And the worker is supreme. And, oh, the workers contribute as much or more than the CEO or the president or the owner or the founder. And we should all be on equal footing. Let me show you where that's been tried before mm-hmm. over and over again throughout history. And let me show you what the results are yeah. every single time. Because mm-hmm. they, they don't get painted that picture. And right. let me show you why mm-hmm. this is better. And I talked about this a couple of episodes ago in relationship to hunting and, and conservation with, with Robbie from Blood Origins. Uh, and it's, I believe, taken from a Churchill quote. And it's, um, and I think it was in reference to, uh, I can't remember, I said the same thing with Robbie. I can't remember if it was in reference to capitalism or democracy. But the, the quote is that, it, yes, it's the worst possible system, except for all the others. And I think it's important to be intellectually honest in that yeah. uh, Republican, a constitutional republic, a Republican democracy like we have, isn't perfect. It does have not. flaws. Yes. It is also better than every other system devised by man thus far. I agree. Head uh, Like heads and shoulders above. Mm-hmm. Same thing with capitalism. Yes, it has some flaws. Yeah. 
it just happens to be better than every other system devised yeah. by man thus far. Yeah, until we get to heaven, dude. It's like that's yeah. the only place where there's going to be. And, and what perfection. happens is paradise. Um, you go, oh, well, let's try. No, but I was told about this new thing. No, you were told about an old thing. You weren't, you just weren't told that it was old. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, oh, no, uh, she's a democratic socialist. She's a democratic socialist. <laughs> r- r- right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is the same. It is. It's the same. It is. And I think the other thing, too, that I've noticed about the parties is that one is is painfully focused on if we just fix the system, then man will get better. And I feel like the other, maybe as because I'm, I'm a conservative, that's that's what I am. And, you know, I, I feel like it's more like, no, like if we start to get better, then we start seeing change in our communities, with our neighborhoods, with our families, like it, the responsibility isn't on like the reason why this culture is broken and the reason why this is in turmoil is because the system is against them and they can't get a, a leg up. It's like, but wait, what about we start empowering the individual? We start empowering them and t- teaching them that, hey, you can. Oh, man, Ryan Holiday. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know you know him. He yeah, yeah. had this great line where he was encouraging um, parents not to buy their kids pets. And he goes, the reason why is that won't teach them responsibility. And this is his argument. I mean, there's probably some truth to it, whatever. But he basically said this, and you might have heard this. He said, um, don't buy them a pet because eventually that's not going to teach them much responsibility. It's going to become the parent's responsibility. He said, instead, and you, you might you might hate this, but he said, well, no, you won't. He said, instead, you should teach them how to garden because the lessons from gardening are way more applicable to your life. And here's the lessons of gardening. He said, number one, you have the ability to make this thrive. Number two, neglect is deadly. And I'm like, wow. Like, if we start teaching people, hey, you have the ability to be a better person and pull yourself out of the darkness because somebody that looked like you, somebody that was your race, somebody that was your gender, somebody from your economic status did it. Yeah. So follow, I mean, genius leaves clues, like follow the blueprint, whatever. So, I mean, that's, that's my th- philosophy on like politics and my, my opinion. I'm like, I'm like one's focus on, if we just get, if we just get the laws right, if we just get a brand new law, then like if we get one more gun law, we'll never have, we get one more of this, this is never going to happen. No, if we don't start helping people get their hearts and lives moving in a healthy direction, we're never going to see change in our country. Yeah. I'm smiling because pets also offer the lesson that neglect is deadly. That's true. It's just a much more problematic lesson than with a tomato plant. That's true. That's true. Yeah. If you neglect a puppy, yeah. yeah. But no, that, that is. No, that, but I, well, yeah. Yeah. That is a very uh, important distinction in the ideologies, though. It's the individual versus the collective. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the, 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 the ideology of, of the left would sacrifice the rights of the individual for the quote unquote good of the many. Yeah. Um, it's the, it's the, we're all in this together, but it's a bastardization of we're all in this together because we're all in this together is beautiful and healthy when it's voluntary. Yeah. It's, it's deadly and evil when it's by force. You almost sound like we just hired a lot more IRS agents and we gave them guns. (laughs) You almost sound like you're mentioning that, but yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's charity is, 
beautiful. Charity is necessary. Charity is healthy. Charity is impossible with someone else's yeah, money. And you, I think, yeah, you I can't agree. be charitable with someone else's resource. The number one war on poverty has been waged and won by Catholic charities. The number one contributor to helping the poor is Catholic charities. They've done way more than welfare. They've done way, way more than all these other big government programs. Like it's, it's just not, it's not even debatable. Yeah. Like they have, they have pulled and helped more people out of poverty from building relationship, from proximity, from knowing that family's name, helping them to get cleaned up, helping them find work, helping them. Like that has been the, uh, the testing ground to see which one's more effective. And I think, I wish we would get to the point where like, yo, best, best, Best idea wins, but we're not that way anymore. Like, and even like with COVID and all these things, like, like for real, I get that you're blue and I'm red and like, I get that we're on different teams, but can we just put all that garbage out of sight? Let's just take care of our neighbor. Let's, let's legitimately quit. Like anytime someone says my philosophy can't be questioned, you know, their philosophy yeah. is based on a fallacy or faulty reasoning and it's like, no, we have to question ourselves. Even as a believer in Christ, like, I'm like, I, I need to constantly just refocus and go why do i believe this like what am i not doing right what can i be better how can i be a better person this does seem like an appropriate time though to to wish you based on when the episode's actually dropping that's true uh, a happy labor day oh that's right well actually it's funny you say that we're, we're hoping that my wife gives birth on labor day because that'd right. be funny <laughs> that would be funny it is though the most garbage of holidays <clears throat> uh even more so than valentine's day explain Labor Day is a socialist holiday. Now, is it really? It's a great excuse to be off work. It's a great excuse <coughs> to uh, to barbecue to get together with friends and family. Yeah, but its roots are one hundred percent in socialism and in the socialist movement. Well, how far does that thread go, though? I mean, so it <coughs> actually started in New York, of course, New York City, in the late eighteen hundreds. So that's the first place it was celebrated. Uh, and it was it was pushed it was driven oh, by, by um, these it, it it gets it gets murky right there were these two brothers they were both involved in the stuff. in the labor movement yeah okay uh, they were both involved in the in the socialist movement and so it start it's that thing of like labor is what what drives everything labor is labor is supreme yeah and that's where it's that where that's where, and then it brought know that <clears throat> and then it it was I mean I'm gonna take the day off. It became it became a national holiday uh, in 1894, signed by Grover Cleveland. Yeah, we, who was wait for it, a Democrat. Wow. But yeah, it's a socialist holiday. I the rest of the world separates it on May 1st. It's May Day. It's purely socialist roots. Man, that that's gonna crash. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I heard on the radio the other day that it was like national like. Donut day? Or no, it wasn't that. It was something way dumber. Yeah. And I was like, we need to get away from these holidays. Can we just vote on that? No more holidays. No more daylight savings time. Leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I concur. You mm-hmm. know who could make them all disappear? David Tell Copperfield. Me. Oh, well. I know that seems out of left field, but actually, I saw you post the other day that you had, oh, uh, had just finished his, what his new book. What an absolute legend. Yeah. Legend. Now we always, you know, I mean, it comes up on the podcast, but you, you know, by day, your mild mannered job, you're, you're of course a yep. pastor. I always introduce you as illusionist, yep, uh, because I find it more interesting. That's true. And people are gonna be like, Pastor, <laughs> I'm not listening to that. Um, <laughs> I'm, but, uh, but you legit like, 
Yeah, Close man. up magic, stage magic. I've watched you make people disappear. I've watched you cut people in half. That's true. Uh, you've <laughs> performed on cruise ships. That's true. Uh, like you are legitimately a magician, an illusionist, mm-hmm. a mentalist. These are all different things. These are. Um, which people don't realize. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we love a good book here on the Solid 7 podcast. I, yeah. What, what, like, what is Copperfield's book? Because, like, on the surface, I'm like, I'm not that, in-. like, I, I get it. You're a, you're a magician. Sure. That's what, it, that's what interests me. Yeah. <clears throat> well, to be, to be fully honest, like, there, there was a lot of it that was kind of like, okay, oh, you had a ghostwriter. <laughs> like, yeah. But then, but then there was some stuff in there that was legitimately like, okay, so it's like the founding fathers of magic yeah. and so that was really fascinating uh in my opinion if you're really a nerd and like when i was a heartbroken bachelor and i was living in alabama i i did a lot of deep dives into the history of magic and that was fascinating so if you are a nerd and you want to look up a history of magic book david copperfield's book is great but hiding the elephant is that's the name of it yeah hands down the best and it talks about the founding fathers of magic like for example like how do you and maybe people never really thought about this, but how do you cut somebody in half in front of an audience, make it believable, but at the same time, make them not frightened that you just killed somebody and have this sense of wonder. Like, so, so in this philosophy in hiding the elephant, they talk about like, how do we have the right balance of like wonder and amazement and no, 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 it's everything's okay. The lady in the box is not dead, Yeah, you know? And so that stuff really, really fascinates me. Um, in Copperfield's book, um, he mentions, in my opinion, uh, well, first of all, David Copperfield, uh, folks, if you have not seen him live, you have to see him. Here's why. He is the greatest magician that will ever be. He has done everything Houdini has done. He's the number one. I didn't know this until I did research on him. He is the number one performer in the world. He's done more shows. And I know he's based on what? Based on performances. He does over 500 shows a year. 500 shows a year. Okay. I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. But uh, when I saw him, every time I've seen him, he's done two shows back to back in every city. And so, I mean, insane work ethic insane performer but what makes copperfield amazing is what made him go to the level that he's at was not just his ability to do cool illusions anybody can do that and the cool thing about like magic nowadays at least the big illusion stuff like anybody can buy that and perform it yeah it was the stories it was how he incorporated these stories so for example he like this like go on youtube and type in like david copperfield and uh makes snow appear yeah so he tells the story so so like like okay so magicians have been doing that for 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 years like he'll put your hands together and all of a sudden like snow starts appearing out of your fingers and all of a sudden it starts snowing in the audience you know obviously the fake snow but whatever but so like that would be a magic trick oh that's cool thanks but he takes it a step further and he says um and i get chills every time i tell a story i know i'm lame but he says, he goes, I remember when I was a little boy, every single Christmas, I'd, I just wish that I would, I'd wake up and I'd see it snow for the first time. I'd never seen it snow. And I remember, I was like, wouldn't it be awesome to go outside and, and, just, and just wish upon a star and all of a sudden it begins to snow? Wouldn't that be amazing? And so then Copperfield says, wouldn't that be magical? And he puts his hands together and he starts massaging his fingers and all of a sudden snow starts coming out of his hand, filling the audience and it starts snowing all across the audience. And then all of a sudden he lifts up a curtain. He goes, it just reminds me of being a little boy. He lifts up the curtain, lowers it. It's Copperfield or an actor of him as a little boy standing there, 
just standing there as the snow falls on the stage. I mean, it's like he he is not just a magician. He is a storyteller. Yeah. And that's what incorporates. But that just I, I know I went on a tangent there, but that absolutely and that's why I used it. I was like, how can I communicate something powerful or illustrate a, a principle or a truth? And 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 you know, but the audience might like I I traveled with a motivational school assembly. So it was a completely secular one that I did in high schools and colleges all across the country. And that's, I, I use illusions to tell stories. Is it, I, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, cause you know better than me, but I feel like up until it got into the woo woo part of the, the movie, the movie, the prestige was oh, actually a really great representation 100%. of that golden age Houdini era of yep. magic yes. and really shows you what goes until he gets into the Tesla part where he's actually like cloning himself. Oh, That's amazing. a little problematic. Amazing. Um, and there was another magic movie around the same time. With, yeah. Nolan, uh, right? Christian, yeah. Or no, um, no, Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Yeah. Yep. Um, Along the same lines. Equally good, but, but romance story. And it wasn't yeah, as yeah, interesting. Yeah. I thought prestige was better. But to show you what goes into the the illusions and really not this isn't true of everybody but a lot of the real talent is in these people whose names you don't know yes who design yeah. michael kane plays that character plays that role in oh um, yeah mm-hmm. uh in the prestige, prestige of yep. the design the the guy who designs the illusion yeah. isn't necessarily <laughs> the person performing it because right. they are different skill sets genius yeah, yeah. it's engineering so in, in Copperfield's book and also in Hiding the Elephant, he talks about a man named Robert Houdin. Um, and uh, Robert Houdin, he is, if you're really a nerd, you know this, he is the grandfather of modern day illusions, magic. Robert Houdin, he created an illusionist. You'll remember that first scene where he reaches into an orange, takes out a seed, plants it, and all of a sudden the, the tree grows. He created this. Now this is back in the early 1900s without the stuff we have to do. So imagine the the engineering genius that yeah. he would have to do. So he takes the seed, puts it in a pot of soil, a plant tree grows, all of a sudden full oranges appear on the tree. He then, uh, he, he does the whole trick that Prestige does. And that was Robert Houdin's design. So like I've seen photographs of the orange tree. Actually, Copperfield has his tree. Of course he does. His, his, his actual tree. So anyways, why Robert Houdin is so, he is the guy that you're talking about, the Michael Caine, or is that his name? I don't remember, yeah. but the guy that kind of like, oh, who is this? There's so, been this joke forever that there's no, because of his accent, nobody there's knows. no difference in Michael Caine saying his name or saying my cocaine. <laughs> Michael <Amazing>. Caine. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. What is, the, if you want to know how to sound, what is it, Scottish, say beer can? Instead of bake, if you're trying to say bacon in Scottish, say beer can, and I was like, "What?" Something like that. Now I'm on a tangent. He's like, "So if you if you want to sound Scottish, say bacon, but instead of saying bacon, say beer can, and you'll sound like whatever." Anyways, all right. Well, we thank you for offending all the Scottish beer can. Okay, so uh, anyways, Robert Houdin. The reason why I'm even mentioning this. So he was an amazing magician, amazing illusionist. Look him up. Absolutely amazing magician. All of a sudden, though, he stumbles across this Hungarian young Jewish boy who comes up to him and says, my father, he's a rabbi. He's very poor. We're very poor. I've seen you perform. Will you teach me something? So Robert Houdin looks at this kid and says, I'll teach you something. This kid goes on the street for the first day. I love this story. For the first time he performs on the street, 
people start throwing money at him. He then picks up the money. This is such a beautiful story. And he picks up the money. He runs home. He puts the coins. He hides them in his sleeves and in his curly hair and in his pockets. And he goes, he was maybe, he was young. He's maybe eight or nine. And he goes home to his mom and he says, mom, pick me up and shake me up and down. I want to show you a miracle. And the mom shakes him up and down. And all of a sudden the coins start falling out of his hair and out of his clothes. And they both just fall on the ground and they're, I mean, they're poor. They're Hungarian refugees, New York City, and they're they're poor and and like they were like this is a miracle and so this is Harry Houdini, um, he um, who had a different name at the time, but he realized I can learn something to save my family. So in that beautiful scene, his father, a rabbi, walks in, and he is you know that typical man and this is in the 1920s maybe but like but just like like no no little boy of mine's going to provide for and so he was really kind of offended right. at his son and almost kind of shunned Houdini for the rest of his life so the reason I bring up Robert Houdin is because Houdini continued to become who he is and um he because he likes him um there's an Italian way that you show affinity for your mentor so he decided, Robert Houdin, I'm going to put an I at the end of Houdin, and it became Houdini. And so he did that as homage to the grandfather of magic. And so anyways, Houdini, incredible. Like, anyways, that's, that's why I love magic. It's an incredible way to tell stories, to uh, just create wonder. And uh, yeah, it was a great book. Now, if I can go ahead and take a moment to just crap all over everything you just said. Tell me. Illusion's cool to me. Like, it it creates these grand moments. It creates this yeah. shock and awe. I'm a much bigger fan of close-up magic. I agree. Because you, the performer does have to be the magician, yeah. mm-hmm. and you can't hide. You can't mm-hmm. play angles, not on the same scale sure. of a stage performance, yep. uh, right? And not when you're doing, you know, the staged for a camera on a TV show, the gap stuff. Um, I won't be coy because he'll never listen and I don't care if he does get offended. I'm talking about like the Chris Angel type crap. Not that. Like these legit world class in your face. Uh, It's why I'm such a big fan of Penn and Teller because they can do this incredible stage magic and then they can get right down in your face and blow your mind. 100% agree. They do this. I think most people have seen a magician do a cup and balls trick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where it's almost like three-card money, where it's like follow the balls, and all of a sudden there's more balls, and the balls aren't where you think they are, mm-hmm. and everything else. They do an explanation of their cup and balls trick. They do it with clear cups, so you can follow it. Yeah. And they're still doing magic that you're not catching right in front of your it's face. unbelievable. The explanation is the trick. Yeah. They're letting you see it, and you <laughs> still can't see what they're yeah. doing. And it's and they could do that. I've seen them do that on camera, but they could sit right here in the room with yes, us it's, and do that. Yeah, and it makes you appreciate the craft. Yeah. yeah. And I so I like that. And then mentalism is its own, its own crazy thing, where really, mentalists are statisticians. They know the odds. They're like really good card players. It's yeah, like when somebody can true. can track, you know, if they're playing like Texas Hold'em, good players know the percentage chance of what they're holding getting a win is mm-hmm. and what the percentage Counting chance of getting the, cards, the card they need yeah. is. And if, a mentalist, I feel like that same thing where they're playing the odds of they know if I present this right set of of circumstances <laughs> and everything to this person, 
I know with a, a high degree of certainty what I'm going to get back out yeah. of them. Yeah. To the extent that you can seem like a mind reader yeah. when you're you're very much not. Yeah. No, you're right. I agree. Like the, the close-up stuff, that is, and that's where you cut your teeth. And so yeah. that's why I appreciate Houdini. That's why I appreciate Penn & Teller because they started street magicians. I appreciate... Um, uh, David Blaine. Yeah. Like Blaine legit. gets lumped in like with Chris Angel he, and they're Chris not Angel, the same. I he 100% is agree. legit. He's odd. He's a little odd. Yeah. I don't know how much so, of that is performance because he is a performer. He is a storyteller. Yeah. Um, and how much of that is no. he's an odd yeah. guy. Well, I mean, like, but Blaine would do, he is the modern day Houdini in the sense of like doing these incredible feats of strength. Yeah. Incredible feats of escapism. Like but Those that's, are legit. The breath yes. holding the stuff like that. Yes. It's not Illusion. testing yourself pushing yeah, yourself he's doing he did a ted things. talk and it's pretty incredible he's like he's like let me explain what magic means to me yeah. it means pushing yourself it means growing it means being stronger than what's coming against you and that's another reason why houdini went so viral in the 1930s is when he came to fame and here was this young guy who couldn't be bound by anything and so he became one of the first like quote-unquote superheroes of the of, of america in the sense of like there here was this man who wasn't bound by anything and he could break free from any chain, any yeah. restriction. But I agree. Close-up magic is amazing. I am good on stage, but if I am in the street, I am lethal. I am the most comfortable close-up. So I, I love that part. But mentalism, I agree, is yeah. the weirdest thing. Like there are tricks I've done where, you know, so all of mentalism, to boil that down for you, it basically it's the illusion of reading someone's mind and you... You either do it through psychology or you claim or you do that from reading their body language or whatever. But when you go into mentalism, it sounds kind of dark or weird, but it's not. But if you go into mentalism, that is the stuff that people come up yeah. to you years later and go, how did you know I was thinking of that card? Well, and it's because people want to think they're more unpredictable than they are. Yeah. And they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Are there? Uh, this is seriously putting you on the spot. And this is how you know. We don't do any real show prep here at Salsam Podcast. That's true. Any... Any mentalism you have memorized that you could do off the cuff that would work over the podcast without mm. them interacting with you? Yeah. Well, uh, it's it's weird when you're just using words. Yeah. So, for example, if I were to ask the audience, uh, I'm going to snap my fingers. And when I snap my fingers, I want you to think of something. And I want you to say the first thing that pops into your mind. I want you to think of a number, one through ten. Say it now. Now, I'm going to do this with the listeners. Yeah. Okay. Now, do I say it out loud or it's just in here? Uh, you don't have to say it out loud, okay. but now there's another thing that I could do if, well, I should have done it on you, but yeah. if I were to say, say now there is a 70 to 85% chance you're going to say the number seven, okay. seven to 80% chance. Now you're yeah. playing the odds. Now, if, if I was doing this on you on purpose, this is so crazy. Like I've done this and I, I'll get about 80 to 95% chance, 100% hit. So what you'll do is you'll gesture, and you're not here, audience, but you'll gesture the number seven in the air. And I'll do it in the in the quote unquote, um, under the uh, ex excuse of saying, I want you to imagine a number one through 10. I saw one through 10. And I'll do this seven gesture in the air. Right. And it's 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 called in mentalism a psychological subtlety. And it it is astonishing. So like what I'll do is like one time I did it for a server and I had purposefully counted out seven coasters right in front of her and I put them in a pile. And I said, 
do this. And she said the number seven. I go, I knew you were going to say that. She goes, okay, cool trick. And I go, I put some coasters down here. Let's count them together. And I count out seven. I've done it where I've um, engraved it on a coin that I've, I flip towards him. I say, here, put, and I do the witch hand trick. Uh, here's a trick that the audience can do the next time they go to Starbucks. This is so cool. I can't remember. I was thinking about today in our this conversation. I was like, I wish I had the name of this particular optical illusion. So next time you go to Starbucks, do this. Go up to the counter and grab two of the coffee sleeves. And the way that they are shaped, so take two of the coffee sleeves, lay them next to each other on the counter. And this is an optical illusion. It, it, it One will be perceived as bigger than the other. Yeah. So crazy. So this is a great just optical illusion that you can trick yourself with. And so one of the things that I like to do um, knowing this principle that it's because of the way it's shaped, it just looks like one is bigger than the other. So what I'll do to the barista is I'll walk behind the counter. I go, hey, uh, this sleeve's too small. Can I have a bigger one? And they go, uh, freak, they're all the same size. And I go, no, I think they're different sizes. You gave me a small one. And we'll kind of get into this moment where they'll be like, no, pal, they're all the same size. You're a psycho. And then they'll hand me the new one and then I'll place it next to the other one. And if I put it in the right position, it definitely looks bigger. So your audience can do that today. Like literally any Starbucks, it's which is bigger illusion. It's an incredible uh, optical illusion. And I just, I love that one. Well, and it's it's crazy and, and cool really how much fun you can have with a very, very tiny bit of basic magic, particularly yeah. card tricks. Yes. All of which I know very, very little, all of which I learned from you. Yeah. And listeners, you can you can learn these things so quickly and easily from Google, yeah. but if you just learn how to force a card, yep. How so? Force a card is just when you're having somebody pick a card, you're forcing which one they get. There's mm -hmm. lots of ways to do that. Some are more advanced than others. Mm -hmm. I still use the one you taught me, which is would fool no anybody. magician anywhere, but literally anyone else. Hundred <clears> percent. <throat> if you learn to force a card, if you learn a false shuffle, yep. So if you learn. Force that card on somebody, and then you can control where that card is when you get it back. Sounds hard. It's very, very simple. Yeah. Uh, and then a, a double lift where you're picking up more than one card yeah. at a time, but it doesn't look like it. Yeah. You can blow minds. Yeah. Or learning the key card principle, which is where you know what one of the cards are, and then you know in relation to another card selected. Um, another psychological thing is, too, is... um. Um, so say uh, there's there's all kinds of ways you could do this. Like say um, you say I'm going to do a trick for you, and I have two cups on a table, and um, and I say um, I want you to choose one of these cups. And so here's what you can do: you can underneath the cup, you can put a ball of paper, and inside that ball of paper, it'll say you're going to choose this cup. Um, you're going to choose this. Uh, cup or whatever so here's what you do um there is a this is again going back to mentalism there is a astonishingly high psychological subtlety that they are going to choose the right cup and we in america we are used to being focused on the right here here's the thing so they did a study um this was so fascinating in psychology where they took a they had two tables and on one table they had so a silk scarf and on the other table they had another silk scarf and they said i want you to go examine each one tell us which one feels softer and uh almost a hundred percent of the people um like with a crazy percentage said the one on the right they were the exact same scarf though so 
there's something about us. If you'll notice at a grocery store, um, most of the things you want are on the right-hand side of the store. So for example, the fruit, the bakery, the meats, most of them are on the right. They know that most people sit on the right-hand side of an audience. Most people, when they walk into a room, they're going to go to the right-hand door. I don't know what's different in Europe, but, and again, this, this is, I'm speaking very, very general, but I know there's going to be exceptions, but using these little tiny things like if I want someone that uh, uh, marketing, they'll put things towards the right. They'll put items that they want to sell faster on the right hand side of it. So it's just having these. I agree with you. Having these little things of knowledge. Oh, here's another thing. If I were to say, think of a color right now, most people think of the color blue. If I were to say, think of a vegetable right now, most people think of a carrot. If I were to say, um, you got me on color, you missed me on vegetable. Yeah. Um, most people say carrot. Um, um, uh, so I've done tricks and this is hilarious, uh, like where I'll be in an audience and I'll crumble up a ball and I'll write the word blue on it. And then um, here's the cool thing, too. Like nobody knows what you're doing, which I know you understand that. But like that principle of like there's another way you can go with this trick. Right. So uh, uh, um, so I'll just throw a ball out into the uh, so crumbled up piece of paper and I'll write the word blue on it and um, I'll throw it out into the audience and I'll just randomly say, hey, think of a color. And they'll just, and I'll say, say it out loud. And they'll say blue. And I'll go, I knew you were going to say that. And they'll be like, okay, cool. And I'll, I'll unfold the piece of paper and it says the color blue. Or you can do the same thing with seven. And so like just these little tiny things, yeah. try it. Try it on somebody. The next time you're with somebody, just ask them to think of a number one through 10. Gesture uh, subtly the number seven in the air. And you'll be shocked at yeah. how many people That's pick it. funny, you, you know, as you mentioned the, the scarf thing, how, you know, how we're influenced, right? How, um, when we think we're not, when we think we have free choice. And so I actually had in the notes, this is an old story, but it just came across my radar this week that I wanted to bring up to you in relationship to magic, because this is almost one big illusion, but it's the same thing. Did you hear, this is from like 2018. Have you heard about Payless? Oh yes. Doing this Paylessy stunt. Yes. So in like in New York, right? Uh, in either either New York or LA, someplace where there's fancy, expensive, like these aren't clothing stores. This is couture, right? Mm -hmm. So they set up this Palessi store, which seems very obvious now. But mm -hmm. if you hadn't heard me say Payless, it's P P A L E S S I. <clears throat> so they set up this very high end looking store, yeah. um, very very fashionable, very very stylish, and it's a shoe store. All these products in it. Every shoe in the place is a Payless shoe. It just doesn't have the Payless branding on it. Right. They they do this big opening. They're inviting influencers, big names, the the whole nine, right? Like people that would go to the opening of a high-end couture type mm -hmm. store, whether this was LA or New York, and they're raving about these shoes and they mark them up. I'm talking like thousands of percent. Yeah. These are Payless shoes. They're interviewing them. They're on can you know, because this is a big grand opening. So cameras out aren't out of place, yeah. right? So there's nothing suspicious about that. Oh, what do you like about it? Just the design and the style, and you can feel the quality Jeez. in the materials Crazy. and in the manufacturing. And so they're raving about these shoes. And to Payless's credit, they outed it. Of course, it's, you know, it's an ad. It's a gimmick, yeah. right? But they outed it uh, and let the people, these people, it's not. It's not a setup. They bought the shoes. They paid the price. The people like bought the shoes at those of dollars, prices. right? And then Payless would tell them well, these are these are actually Crazy. Payless shoes. Crazy. And they let they both refunded them and let them keep the shoes. Amazing. Which I think is pretty nice of them. Yeah. But it's just that that mental thing of mm -hmm. 
well, because this is from here, it it must be must be cheap. Yeah. You know, and it's just those just those trappings. Yeah. And again, it's so you would go in there and you think you're free thinking, mm-hmm. but you're influenced by the by the yes. setting, by all of it. And this applies to a lot of life. And magicians use this to their credit. Yep. Like I thought this was the direction you're going with, but I love close up magic when you have the illusion of choice. Mm-hmm. When anytime a magician's doing a card trick or, or any right. trick where it's like, pick one of these things. Right. And then they go, you pick. And they say, oh, okay, we'll get rid of the other thing. Yeah. Or, okay, we'll get rid of what you just picked. Mm-hmm. You didn't really have a choice there. They were yeah. going to keep the pile they wanted, yeah. the cup they wanted, the stack they wanted, no matter what. But you felt like you had it. You could have picked either one. Yeah. But it's one of those, uh, you know, heads I win, tails you lose. Right. Right. <clears throat> it's that illusion of choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you just don't. You don't I, realize that's it's what happened. just always fascinates <clears throat> me about it. Just how how you can manipulate and how you can use this to. To kind of even point out things, and Darren Brown, which I don't know, if we've talked about him before. We've talked about. Darren I think Brown. we have, yeah, a little bit. Darren, are you, do you know he's a mentalist from? He's basically the David Blaine of of London. Yeah, but he does mentalism and he does these social experiments. They're all over Netflix. Is he the guy that'll do like man on the street like hypnotism? Yes, that it's. I watch that and it just feels like it has to be staged. Yeah. It feels like it has to be stupid. I don't yeah, I don't know what is because I mean there is that part where there are methods in place where there's pre-show or pre-work like where you kind of get them already tracking on this and then you start rolling the camera or you suggested something so but he does a lot of social experiments like he does one called the I think it's called the edge or something like that or the push. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you yeah, seen yeah. this? Yeah, it's a whole Netflix show. Yeah, and so like he does crazy, crazy social experience. And I really like him because he just talks about like, guys, like you just got to pay attention. That's that's his whole message. And like, and again, that's what I love about these performers. Blaine, Copperfield, uh, Darren Brown even. Uh, um, they, they use illusions to really get at the deeper levels yeah. of life and philosophy and worldview and how you see things and what you need to pay attention to and even Penn and Teller yeah. like they bring an element of that now going contrasting that 100% is Chris Angel he's like cursing at people and then he scream I'm like yeah. what I'm like well, there's no beauty to it there's no poeticness to Penn it Penn and Teller's whole HBO series yes which for the Solid 7 podcast we'll refer to as BS yes was based on that it was because the the first epi- the epiphany that needs to happen there is to realize I'm being influenced. Yeah. At all times, wherever I'm mm-hmm. at, I'm being influenced. Right. Because then once you have that epiphany, then you can watch for, mm-hmm. okay, what's influencing me and how. Yeah. But if, you, if you're not open to it, if you think, no, I'm this big, strong thinker and I'm independent and I can't yeah. be influenced, you're then you're going to, then you, you can't, you're not even looking for the right. things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the whole, the whole premise for BS is we're going to show you the ways in which you're being yeah. influenced and what the, what the, imp- and the perfect people for like who better for it than world-class magicians and illusionists. Right. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Like yeah. I know, I mean, that really does just make me go, wow, this is such an amazing 
thing to consider. So like one of the those episodes, they did like uh, tap water versus um, bottled water. Yes. And so they had like, like they had all the fancy bottles. Yes. And then all of a sudden they're like, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And, and all of a sudden they go outside. Yeah, it, the clip is just teller, just garden from a host. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And so, but, so, but yeah. So, but, so even getting a little serious with the whole, like you are going to be fooled. Like you got to think about people are out there and we've talked about this before like head on a swivel um uh, uh situational awareness like pay attention yeah because there are people out there that are going to try to take advantage of you and deceive you and so like so one of them is one of my favorites is um i love studying pickpockets like so there, there are a couple things that they do and they always work in pairs or there's usually five or six of them that are you think it's the one guy and so like what they'll do is they'll, they'll actually they'll take your wallet um, and then, and within seconds, they hand it off to one guy and he hands it off to another guy. Uh, they'll, they'll take it and they'll t- like, there'll be a guy, they'll be going different directions on an escalator. One's going up, one's going down. And one guy will be coming at the moment that they actually rob you. He throws the wallet to a man holding a newspaper. You know, so if you imagine holding a newspaper in that crease and it'll, f- it'll land in the newspaper and slide into like his belly area. And so by the time you realize what happened, you're saying you stole my wallet and you call the cops and he's like, check me, bro. I don't have anything. And that guy's gone. Another thing that they've done is, um, this was so brilliant. I saw this in, um, when I was in, um, when I was doing shows in Austria, like, um, I was watching the street hustlers and I was watching them do it. So like, for example, like they're doing the whole P trick. They're doing the whole thing where they're trying to get you. And so, when they do that whole like which what uh, shell or cup is the pee under or yeah. whatever, it's like the, look follow the ball <clears throat> and if you get it, you get. It's 20 a different bucks. version of three card money, exactly. Which and you so, can not win. Yes, and no. when you're standing there and but, see somebody win, exactly, it's a part, it's an accomplice, yes, and they're there, and the guy will throw down a hundred bucks and he'll win two hundred bucks. And he's like, and he'll literally, he's an actor. He'll run down the street and you'll just see him holding the money, like, and you're like, oh my gosh, he just won. I saw exactly how it did, and then they'll let you win once or twice, and then same thing happens. Uh, one of my favorite things about pickpocketers, this was so cool, or the way that they do it is the pickpocketers will get professionally printed signs that say beware of pickpockets and what they do is they wait across the street and they watch you so so for for for, uh, whatever imagine you see a sign like that Uh, one of the hardest things for a pickpocketer to figure out is where you have your wallet on your body so if you see a sign beware of pickpockets what are you going to do oh my gosh where's my wallet and you'll tap the spot where your wallet is and they instantly know left pocket and they'll walk up to you with a razor blade and they just, you'll, they'll nick your pants and your wallet falls out of your pocket on the floor and they scoop it up right there. Well, and everybody tells themselves, they see that, you'll see this on TV, there's that one guy who does it basically as a magic show. He'll oh, go um, on the news station. I know his name. And he, like he takes their tie off, their belt, their wallet, everything, <sighs> right? Um, Apollo Robbins. Yeah. Apollo Robbins. If you say so. And so, but everybody thinks, oh, I'd, I'd feel it, I'd recognize it. Like you I'm won't. so used to that weight in my pocket. I've had you yeah. slip coins under the watch on my wrist yeah. without me feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. You I just, remember that day. You just don't. You don't. You're not paying attention. If you're not paying attention, you can miss a lot. Allow me to break some hearts. Allow me to metaphorically shatter some participation trophies mm-hmm. and inform you all you're not special. <laughs> you're not special. You're not different. Yeah. It will work on you. It will. You know, it reminds me of this, like, like just 
understanding the psychology of people. Um, you know something I just recently learned about uh, Instagram? I have well, to pause just because I know this will drive you nuts because I'm what? a fan, but you're a bigger fan of him. As we're podcasting, I was just getting some Instagram messages from Jordan Harbinger. Please continue. Oh, dope. Jordan Harbinger, <laughs> I love you. I hope you're watching the show. You're my favorite. Um, Every time... Er- He's so cool, dude. Listeners, look him up. We won't rabbit trail on this too much. Great podcast. Real interesting guy. uh, Real interesting format. He's great about engaging with listeners. It's not at all special that he's messaging me. If you message him, he'll probably message you back. We've messaged back and forth a few times. And every time, like I will respond to his response to me now with, uh, you know, and as always, open invitation. I invite him. Every time we interact, I invite him to the Solid 7 podcast. It'll happen. It will. I think he's he's cool. Um, But... uh, Understand. So again, going to this geeky thing with like magic, and well, it's, it's it's way just more than a card trick and a, or a illusion on a stage. Like it, there's so much psychology and science and people knowledge that you have to have street smart and the way people think and how you process information. So I just was recently learning about um, the algorithms on social media. Like obviously. Uh, there's that verse in the Bible that says, seek and you shall find. Like like once it gets into, or it's called also in psychology, it's called the frequency illusion. So for example, you see your your spouse, your wife gets pregnant and then you start seeing pregnant people everywhere. Right. You or buy you, a new you car, buy a new you car, see that car. Yeah, yeah. And that's called, uh, psychologically, it's called the frequency illusion. There's people who call it reticular activating system. Like you just get something in your mind and now you see it everywhere. And the, the Bible says, seek and you shall find. Once you get something in your mind, you're going to start seeing it more. And uh, so the, the algorithms of social media, like they're, they're, they're another entity that hires psychologists, hires brain um, people who have a, a deep understanding of psychology to lead you on these rabbit trails. That's why when you're on YouTube, you're watching one video and then it starts suggesting in your feed and you yeah. think, oh, oh, I do. And, and we've all done this, especially guys, because I think I think men statistically consume YouTube more than females because ladies have a life, but but you'll start seeing this. So anyways, so something I just learned about on Instagram, the refresh thing, do you know why they based it on? They based it on a slot machine. Because you're they, talking about pulling down to refresh. When you pull down and then it refreshes the yeah. feed, that was, they said, we know what this does in the mind. I pull down the lever and I get a brand new shot of dopamine, a yeah. brand new possibilities, brand new things. Well, and they do now with their with their stories. So the stories, I can't remember which way you swipe to advance stories. I'm not Up, cool. I don't right, know anything. Left, whatever. Just don't swipe but left. But now if you, if you stop, yeah. if you stop on something, you sit there, it'll jiggle. Mm-hmm. It'll get your attention to get you to keep you're scrolling, right. keep swiping. Wow. And it's, but here's what I think one of the important takeaways is too, is <coughs> one, that understand that any number of things are trying to influence you and some of them are succeeding yeah. at any given time, in yep. any given scenario, any setting, any situation. Mm-hmm. But also I think one of the important takeaways, and I think this is why so many magicians, illusionists, mentalists are so shrewd is because they understand misdirection on a very deep and practical yes. level. <clears throat> and misdirection is also psychology. Yes. And it does get applied constantly in other fields. Mm-hmm. Now, you can go way too far with that and yep. end, with, end up with a lot of foil on your head and become a, a you, you're, you head down a real Alex Jones <laughs> rabbit hole. <laughs> Turn the frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> but there is some reality into yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. The big, loud, shiny thing 
is not what you should be looking at. Sure. They want me looking here. Right. What's going on where they don't what am I want missing? me looking? Yeah. You see this in, in marketing, even in food packaging. Where they mm-hmm. apply a lot of psychology. Yes. It's everything's bright, everything's colorful, big, mm-hmm. bold words, except for the ingredients, except for the nutritional facts. Yeah. They're bland, they're black and white, they don't stand out, mm-hmm. the words are tiny. Even if something has a, a, a name in the common vernacular that you would understand as an ingredient, they'll use scientific terminology. Right. It's to distract you away from those things. Mm-hmm. This only applies to processed foods, right? Because you don't need an ingredient label on a steak. You don't need an ingredient label on a potato. Right. Uh, it only applies to processed foods. Yeah. But it's, it's everything draws your eye away from the thing that you really should be paying attention mm-hmm. to on there. Mm-hmm. It happens in media. It happens in marketing all the time. Yeah. It happens in, you know, <coughs> Becca was on last week calling in live from a date, but we talked to her about the online dating all the time and how frequent it is like for the pictures just to be lies. They're yeah. either they're not the same person or they're ten years old or whatever, <laughs> distracting you away from it's it's all it's just misdirected. Yeah. yeah. Misdirection. Yeah. And yeah. I think when you get into so even if you don't want to become a magician, right? And the the joke is always the magicians are the dorks, right? And I they am a are dork. until they aren't. Right. <laughs> right. They are in middle school and high school and then you know when they're big Kasha Kimlet. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's fu- dude. We're we're tracking today because I, I know, had Kasha bro. in my notes because. Yeah. So listeners, if you haven't ever heard of Kasha Kimlet, look him up. Uh, I would say spelled just like it sounds, and it is, but you still probably wouldn't spell it right because I know I wouldn't. It's K O S T Y A, and Kim. I think it's Kim Lat. K I M L A T. I don't remember. But uh, yeah. Kasha's been. He's he's a big successful magician. He's been on Penn and Teller's Fool Us. I Incredible. think maybe more than once. Yeah, I think you're right. And fooled them. Yes. Um, so the format for that show, listeners, watch it if you haven't. Thoroughly entertaining. But illusionists and magicians get to come on, perform their magic, mm-hmm. and try and fool Penn and Teller. Yeah. So the idea is, can they do a trick that Penn and Teller can't figure mm-hmm. out, and you can advance and open for them in Vegas and stuff like that? Yeah, Fooling them's a big deal. It is. And they only watch you perform once. Yeah. Which is just insane. And the they call they it have. more often than not, they which do. is crazy. Right. Um, but the they're just that knowledgeable. That yeah. yeah. Uh, but Kasha has fooled them. Well, he's from central Florida. He's from yep. our stomping grounds. He graduated mm-hmm. high school with my wife. Amazing. He's also Ukrainian. Whoa. I didn't know that. Um, and so, uh, another, I knew he's Jewish. Another guy. Yes. And, a, yeah. uh, but another guy that went to school with my wife launched a podcast recently he he was a CIA operative. Whoa. And he started a podcast with another guy. So they they do kind of the you know, that genre of thing. I wish I could remember the name of their their podcast and their name right now or or and or I'd give them credit. But Kasha came on their podcast, not so much to talk magic, but to talk Ukraine because he still has family Jeez. there and that whole thing. Crazy. And I'm like I've got several direct connections. Like yeah. I don't know him, but like we're kind of in the same circles. Yeah. So I've I've kind of been putting it out there. I I like I didn't cold call. I cold emailed him. Yeah. So I wanted to bring it up on this podcast because I knew we were going to talk magic. I wanted right. to talk Copperfield. Yeah. I know you've met him. Yeah, I met him at <laughs> Copperfield Show at downtown yeah. Orlando. Um, great guy. We're kind of in the same circles. Mm-hmm. So and a lot of my listeners, most of my listeners, are in Central Florida. Yeah. If you see Kasia, if you know Kasia, mm-hmm. let him know. I'm trying to get a hold of him. We'd love to have him on the podcast. Yeah. It would yeah. be great. Um, you know, after having you on three or four times now to get a good magician, I think would be how dare you a real nice. I'm magically delicious. <laughs> um. Yeah, what, what I love about Kasia is he does the, he, he will shuffle, he'll miss 
mismatch it. I don't know how to say it. He'll shuffle a deck basically face up, face down. He'll really genuinely mix up the deck. Yeah. Not like in a traditional shuffle, but like, I hope that makes sense. He will. Well, it's like a Vegas, they call it a wash, where they just put them down and smear them around on yeah, the table so, like that. So when you collect them all, you have some face up, some face down. And and the quote from Penn and Telefoulos is they're watching him just move the cards around and they know that he is correcting the deck under their nose. And I think it was, it had to be Penn. He goes, I'm going to break your hands. <laughs> Because he literally is, he's like, I can't see, and, there, and I've never seen Penn and Teller. Um, and what I love about that show is they're, they, they always say this, they're, they're trying to go back to that sense of wonder. Yeah. And they, they miss that because they understand so much. And so like just the wonder of that. And so like, and you just see um, Teller just like jumping up, like visibly excited, like freaking out. Yeah. Like when we all were, when we first saw our first magic, just the excitement and the wonder. And so uh, I just love that. I know I'm a nerd. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, you know, for the most, I'm guessing the majority of listeners haven't ever really kind of geeked out on magic. I think most people enjoy a, when it's not hokey. I think right. most people enjoy yeah. Uh, a good magician, but it's worth diving in some too. Even even if you're not going to learn anything, you and I were both fans, still are for a long time of a magician named Jay Sankey. Oh, the king! Hilarious. Just watching for the comedy. Yeah, like you can buy his videos to learn magic. He did one. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, you know modern dating on here occasionally. Now, this wouldn't be helpful with the apps, <laughs> but if you go out in the real world and talk to some ladies, fella, mm-hmm. Jay Sankey has an entire yep. magic instructional video just for the purpose of meeting girls and making a yeah. connection. <laughs> it's it, but he's he's a really but there's really, there's psychology to, there's truth in that because magic it's it, it makes you different than any other person. Yeah. It makes you unforgettable. Okay, I'm not making this up. Um when I first learned magic, I learned it to eventually just, you know, eventually just share my faith with them or invite them to a church service. And so um, when I first learned my first card trick, for about five years, every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I would be on the street using this to connect with people. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know if Pastor Joey for Janik listens to this, but he can test to this, okay? I used to do a trick where I have somebody pick a card, they would sign their name on it. I would take that card, visibly rip it up. They could see their signature in pieces and then restore it basically in their hands. Yeah. So I did that all the time on the street. I don't really do it that much anymore. Um, no joke. So one day, Joey and I are driving here in Orlando and so we would always do random things just, just to be stupid. It'd be like, you won't scream at that guy, hey. And so literally we are at, okay, which is just dumb. But hey, you know what? We all fall short. So- I, I promised, I promised I'm not making this up. We're at a stoplight and he goes, you won't talk to that guy. I go, hey, right? And I just yell at this guy, whatever. And he goes, oh, and he rolls down his window. He starts digging into it. So I'm like, he's going to shoot me. Yes. He pulls out his wallet. He takes out the card that he signed. He goes, I never forgot this. And so just the meaningful connection that magic has done for me has made it very significant. And so like, it, like for real, like Jay Sankey, that's a good call. Like, cause he's got hundreds of free 
magic videos on YouTube yeah. to teach you how to do it, teach you what to say. I think everybody should learn one yeah. just because it's a lot of fun to do. Who's the guy? You don't remember his name and I, I won't, but there's a guy I've been following for the last year or so where I'm not, like I got into trying to do some of the magic for a while, mm-hmm. living with you, learning from you. And it is yeah. fun and it is. Yeah. Uh, and I never got very good because I didn't put in the time. Um, and I, you know, I just lack the talent and the skill set and, and you know, any value in life, really. That's true. Uh, God knows your heart. Um, but there's a guy I found. So I'm not even trying to do it anymore. I'm just still I'm intrigued, obviously, by the practice, by the medium, by the art form, by the performance, by the storytelling. Those are things I'm into, yeah. regardless of the setting. Right. But uh, who's the guy? I send you his stuff all the time. Chris. He's Canadian. Ramsey? Yes. Chris Ramsey. Yeah. Man, listen, he's, really he's cool. a solid like social media, Instagram follow, yeah. and his up close magic is so yeah. good. Yeah. It's so tight, man. And he's another person that that genuinely loves it for, yeah. for, for for the for the It's the awe. It's the awe. And then you're just also wanting you're wanting, for lack of a better word, you're just wanting to to make somebody smile. Yeah. You're want like people who have that motivation in a performance. And and Penn and Teller, a friend of mine, uh his name's Shake. Um, he, he went and saw Penn and Teller. Did I tell you this? And Uh he went and saw the, and Penn and Teller after the show, they hang out for hours in the lobby. They will take pictures with every person. They will talk. And so he said that Penn and Teller were out there and he kept walking up to people and go, Hey, thanks boss for, for having me tonight. Thanks boss. And so like, so Shake said he, he met him and then he sat around them for about 30 minutes and they were still in the lobby just talking to people. And so he walks up and he goes, Hey dude, I just want to ask you like something weird. Like, why do you keep calling everybody boss? He goes, because you hired me tonight. Yeah. You paid my yeah, bills. I think we've tonight. talked about this before. And so yeah. I just, I just love, but, but Penn and Teller, they have this idea. And so does Copperfield of just like respecting the audience yeah. of just like, Hey, I'm not trying. And I've never tried to, and I hope I'm never given that impression when I do magic. Like, Hey, I fooled you. You're stupid. Like, no, like I want to take people on a journey. I want to take people on experience. And I've released some, some magic videos, like kind of in a social media realm where they are just like, Hey, this is just something fun to talk about where I add value. And I think any performer worth their salt, they have that understanding. I want people to feel like they experienced something that added some kind of value to them or was good. Yeah, I'll I'll mm. say like there's a there's all kinds of people. I mean, almost infinite number of people I, I'd love to have on the podcast. But I you know I think any anybody doing something like this worth their salt has mm-hmm. kind of that wish list. Yeah, and Penn Gillette is on my wish man. list. Man, I'd love to sit down. With he that is dude. amazing. Yeah. He is amazing, and I just love that he can have a conversation with people. But you know what the difference is? In my view, they started on the street. Yeah, they weren't handed opportunities, and I'm not hating on. Chris Angel. I don't like him as a performer, but there's a difference. There's there's a there's an arrogance in my opinion to his performance where it's not like wanting to inspire the audience or or just add like like value their time. It's but you notice the difference between a Houdini, a Penn and Teller, a David Copperfield. Like and when I met Copperfield, I've met him a couple times and that one photo I posted was he I got to go hang out with him in his green room yeah. and I was losing my mind. My wife, my, she was my fiance at the time. I mean, she was like, I have never seen you so happy in all your life. And we've had two kids. It's like, it's like, I was like, I was like literally like, I've watched this guy my whole life yeah. and I'm sitting there playing darts with him in his green room. And I'm like losing. I don't think my I knew that story. Mind. Yeah. I was there in Daytona beach. Uh, and I was just like, I, I didn't know what to say. I was, I was awestruck that he would just, Talk to me yeah. and and invite me into his green room just to 
say hello. And I met some of his his management team. There's a guy um, named Chris Kinner who he is the Robo Herdan. He is he is the Michael Kane. Yeah. He is the guy who comes up with it and dreams it up and actually builds it for Copperfield. So whatever. Hey, let me share this with you real quick. Okay. Um, I read the story. I'm sorry. We're out of time. All right. Well, I love you all. Have a good night. And I hope my wife's not having a baby right now. Um, there's a really cool story. Basically, true story. This guy, um, this kind of will maybe tie some things together and maybe as we wrap up or whatever, but bow your head, close your eyes. Just kidding. I remember um, <laughs> I, there's a story I read recently about a man who was diagnosed with um, this disease that was going to basically render him blind. And it was some kind of rare infection in his eyes where the doctors were like, basically, this was his diagnosis. He's like, basically, um, like, just so you know, like, this is going to happen in the next few months. You, you're going to slowly, your, your vision's going to fade. I don't know what it was, some infection. Your vision's going to fade. And so, you know, just, just take advantage of what you can see right now. And so whatever. <clears throat> and so long story short, a couple months go by and they came to this conclusion. Hey, you know what? We actually think it's something else. We misdiagnosed you. Um, you're actually not going to lose your sight. You know, keep doing this and this is going to help you. And then he said, after that moment of thinking, I'm never going to be able to see my kids again. I'm never going to be able to see my, 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 my world again. He said, and this was so beautifully stated he said ever since i realized that i can see again i started to look on purpose and so i was like he's like he's like so i just took time to look at everything on purpose like really look at my children really look at nature really look like take a second like when i'm driving home from work and actually look up and see the sunset you know like and so um i think that's powerful about magic it just encourages us to look in the ordinary for wonder and amazement because it really is all around us. And we really are blessed to be able to see that. Like my sister, you know this, she has MS. Um, I remember one time I called her and I'm like, how you doing? And she's like, not good. Uh, well, she actually, no, she, I'm sorry. She didn't say that. She goes, well, I haven't been able to get out of this bed in four months. I'm completely paralyzed. Can barely move my right hand. I'm going blind in my right eye but I'm not going to complain because people got it out there worse than I. And when you hear somebody actually going through that kind of yeah. crap, you're like, I have no freaking problems today. I love you, Leslie. Bye. And so she said that now, unfortunately, I mean, because of the progression, she's been doing better and she's been eating well. And we've talked about autoimmune disease yeah. and all those things. And so she's been doing better, but I mean, she did lose her eye and she, she, um, she kind of said the exact same thing. She did. She, she's now got a, you know, a fake eye and, and she's starting to lose her sight in her other eye. So she's going to be completely blind one day. And she said the same thing. She's like, I'm really, and I hope maybe whoever's hearing this, like, like for real, take a second and, and look into the eyes of the people you love or look at just your home. Look at, appreciate the things that you're blessed to see because there's certain people who, who don't have that anymore. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's even more poignant now when so many of us, are just always looking down. Yeah, our phones. Lit like literally, yeah, figuratively too, but but literally. Mm -hmm. And so there's all there. There's something that's almost a little bit of magic now. Yeah, to setting it down, and just looking up. Yeah, and there's so much value in that, and the way we're talking about right now, and the way you talked about earlier, just having your head on a swivel. Yeah, just being aware of what's going mm -hmm. on around you. 
from a safety standpoint, from an appreciation standpoint, yep. from a from a connection standpoint, mm-hmm. right? Like the connection of that text, the connection of that, even even like a FaceTime. Yeah. It's just not a substitute. It's not the same. Because it's not quite right. They're looking yeah. at the camera. They're not at you. It's not quite right. Mm-hmm. There's that difference between yeah. that, no, I see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've lost a lot of that. I agree. You know? I agree. and Even it, when we're together. Yeah, you're right. We're distracted. And yeah. going way back to the beginning of this conversation, everyone keeps asking you where you're going, not where you are. Like, why are you engaged yet? Do you have kids yet? It's like, no, not yet, but I'm really happy I'm here today. And yeah. I'm really happy I'm talking. To, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're so focused on the future and the unknown instead of instead of really leaning into the moment we are in. You know, that's that's so sad in a way that we're not paying looking on purpose we're not paying attention and being in the present you know i think that scares me a little bit you know so that's what magic means to me well the beauty of the solid seven podcast is that i had no intention of you know doing an hour on magic magic and mentalism today but we're nerds uh, yet here we are at least i am we are nerds so well listeners if you're still with us i mean god god bless you god bless america (laughs) so it's been fun thanks dude if you want some more of evangelist Jason Alvarado. You can check out episodes. I'm stepping up my game a little bit, Whoa. a little more professional. Not bad, comrade. Want to go back to episode 28, 39, 62. You'll probably hear us talk about all of these same things. <laughs> you know, I don't think we ever really deep dived into magic. No, we uh, definitely. I remember you telling the story about uh, Shake asking Penn why he called everybody. Oh, really? Boss. Yeah. So you know, fun little Easter egg hunt. Listeners, there you go. go back to those those past mm-hmm. episodes. Probably going to be a bit before we get you back on. Though. I know, man. Uh, we're having we a probably, baby. We probably got a little run here before you can cycle back through. I know. I love runs. So uh, best of luck. I'll be thinking about you while I'm sleeping soundly. <laughs> through through With the night. Not, what's that Will and, Smith uh, joke? Or Will, uh, not Will Smith. That What a slap in the face. Uh, the Will, what's the <laughs> other guy's name? Will Farrell. He says, they say the sweetest sound in the world is the sound of a baby laughing. Unless it's that sound comes at midnight and you don't have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's So be fantastic. encouraged with that. Well, I'm glad we snuck one in before your four became five. That's true. And uh, obviously... Best of luck. We'll Thanks, be uh, everybody be praying for you, and uh, well, you'll cycle back around. Sounds just, good. Just be just be a little longer. And uh, listeners, we love you. Appreciate you too, as always. Thank you for listening. Stop by the website solid seven podcastcom Solid the number seven podcast.com wow. where you can always find links to the latest episode on your podcast app of choice. They're all there. You can. This is still newish. Buy me a Jocko Go. Kind of a fun. Tongue-in-cheek way to uh, support the podcast. You can find all our social media on there. Some good causes to support. Links to uh, our affiliates, GoRuck and uh, Origin and Jocko Fuel. They're all there. So a great way to get yourself some cool stuff and support the podcast as well. And if you just want to take it to the next level, of course, the link to become a Patreon supporter is always there as well. And we appreciate that each and every time. And uh, until next time. We're out. Peace.